You ready? Showtime. On May 3rd, summer starts with the fall guy. Let's do it later. Let's drink a spicy margarita. Make some bad decisions. Yes! Audiences are falling in love with the most entertaining film of the year. Fall guy. Fall guy. Fall guy. That's what the poster said. See Ryan Gosling and Emily Blunt in the movie critics say exists to make you happy. Trying to make it out? Because nope. I don't either. It's not what I'm into right now. What are you into? Talking. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the Fall Guy. Only in theaters May 3rd. Read it PG-13. Get ready for the greatest roast of all time. The Roast of Tom Brady. A Netflix live event happening May 5th, hosted by Kevin Hart. The seven-time world champion gets his cleats held to the fire by famous friends and frenemies on an unforgettable night where everything is fair game. Tune in on May 5th at 5 p.m. Pacific time for The Roast of Tom Brady, live only on Netflix. First Sunday of the NFL season is here. That's right, it's here. And the excitement continues with DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. DraftKings is giving all new customers a can't-miss offer to celebrate the return of the NFL season. Bet just $1 on any football game this weekend and receive $200 in free bets instantly, no matter what. That's right, DraftKings Sportsbook is giving all new customers $200 in free bets instantly when they bet at least $1 on any football game. DraftKings is safe, reliable, and secure, making it easy for you to deposit and withdraw your money at your convenience. So download the DraftKings Sportsbook app now and use the promo code TBPN to receive $200 in free bets when you place a $1 bet on any week one game. That's promo code TBPN to get your free $200 in free bets instantly. This week at DraftKings Sportsbook, an official sports betting partner of the NFL. Must be 21 or older in New Jersey, Indiana, or Pennsylvania only. New customers only. Restrictions apply. See DraftKings.com sportsbook for details. Gambling problem? Call 1-800-GAMBLER or in Indiana, 1-800-9-WITH-IT. Now let's get back to the show. Welcome back, welcome back, welcome back. This is Jason Jones. This is the Ruler of the Court podcast. This is your latest episode. We're here to talk Sacramento Kings basketball, talk some music, specifically the hip-hop music that I love. I love all kind of music, actually, but hey, hip-hop's my thing. I'm here to just uh, kind of shoot the shit, so to speak. You know, about a month out, a little, actually less than a month out, y'all. About, ooh. A little more than two weeks out from the start of training camp. Getting ready for some basketball. But we're not here to talk about that today. Today we celebrate the past. Um, We celebrate the greatest era of Sacramento basketball ever. Not even close. We celebrate uh, Chris Weber and Rick Adelman. Who this weekend will be officially enshrined in the uh, Naismith Memorial Basketball Hall of Fame. If you want to learn more about Weber's journey there, specifically his Sacramento journey, you can check out my latest story on The Athletic. Uh, also, uh, we have a Q&A with Weber. We talked kind of on a, on a broader sense about Michigan, the Warriors, kind of his career as a whole. But I focused on the time in Sacramento 
And without further ado, or as Kenny, I think it was Kenny Omega was saying, ado, ado, before people started running out on the AEW pay-per-view, let's just talk about why this era of Sacramento Kings basketball from 1998 to 2006 that ended when Rick Adelman was fired. Just kind of a, or let go, whatever part it was, whatever fancy term they use for, you don't, you don't have your job anymore. <laughs> Let's talk about just what's going on and why, you know, first, frankly, why Chris Webber is the greatest Sacramento King of all time. I kind of write about this as well, just because to give the context of why I write that. I say that I believe that Webb is the greatest king of all time. You have to look at the time before Webb was the king, the time after, and what happened when Webb was in Sacramento. Prior to Webber's arrival uh, in 1998, you know, technically started in, I guess, 99 with the, the lockout season, you know, or closer to 99, but, you know, it had been a few months since he had been traded. Kings had not had a winning season ever in Sacramento. They'd been to the playoffs a couple of times that not had a winning had never had a winning record. They always had a winning record once Webb arrived. And he was a big reason for that. I know there's people out there who will, you know, who will point out that Vlade was a, you know, maybe the leader or the connector of the team. You know, Mike Bibby was clutch. Peja was a great shooter, but make no mistake about it. Chris Webber was the best player on the team. There's no debating that. And he provided a level of relevance to Sacramento that Sacramento had never had. I mean, Mitch Richmond did all he could, but, you know, it's arguably at one point, some might have argued that Mitch was the second best shooting guard in the NBA or the best shooting guard not named Michael Jordan. But those teams could never break through to even get above 500. And it's a shame because I think Mitch's career is his Sacramento years are largely covered up or forgotten about because the teams weren't good and that wasn't his fault. But I digress. But what Webb gave the Kings, and I think Jerry Reynolds mentioned it in my story, uh, he gave the Kings a legit top 10 player in the NBA. And at one point you could argue, or maybe not argue, but you, you could you could make a really strong case that for a stretch in Sacramento, Webber was the best power forward in the NBA, and that included the NBA with a Tim Duncan, a young Dirk Nowitzki, a Rasheed Wallace. Carl Malone was near the end, but he was still a damn good player. Uh, just all these players who were in the league at that time, <laughs> and still, Webb was a kind of a shining light, a beacon for Sacramento. And of course, it didn't start off smoothly. Webb didn't necessarily want to be in Sacramento after the trade. And as I tell him the story, who could blame him? Webb wanted to be a Laker. And I hadn't really heard him talk a whole lot about that until I interviewed him. But yeah, he really thought he was going to be, he really wanted to be a Laker more than anything. He didn't want to be a king. But really, no one wanted to be a king. And when Washington traded him to Sacramento, Webb said they had banished him. And let's be real, trading him to Sacramento was punishment. You know, he had had some, you know, you know, off the court issues, nothing like, you know, to nothing where he was like going to jail or anything, but, you know, you no know, vehicle violations and, and such. 
I think I know I have a link in the story to some of the things he was dealing with, but they basically the the wizards were tired of about uh, of tired of Webb on the court and off the court. Apparently, they felt like his his style of play wasn't making them better. Whatever, whatever case may be, but I'm fascinated to get your thoughts and wonder what it would have been like in say 2020, 2021 in a social media world if a team like you know the Wizards had traded a basically a 25 year old All Star to a team in exchange for a 32 year old shooting guard and an old an old Otis Thorpe. Just think about that. How insane that. I think Twitter would have exploded, you know, if, say, I'm trying to give give a good comp of a guy in age. Oh, about in his early. You know, even though he's a little. This would have been like a few years ago, you know. New Orleans trading Anthony Davis for, like, I don't know. It's, it's a hard. It's a hard comp to make because. You know, you weren't getting Mitch Richmond in his prime anymore. You know, he was definitely, you know, he was 32, definitely near the end of his career. You know, still a good player, but it wasn't the same Mitch. So, I mean, it's it's, it's a tough comp to even make to where you would be trading, you know. It's like, you know, would you trade Giannis? And I know Webb didn't win a title like Giannis, but, you know, just in terms of just a high, young-level talent, would you trade Giannis for, like, an older Dwayne Wade and... You know, Udonis Haslam or, you know, just because you were sick of Giannis's stuff. No, you wouldn't. No. Nowadays, you get a much bigger haul in those situations. But that wasn't that wasn't the case. You know, that was Sacramento's gain. You know, nowadays, that deal would have cost Sacramento multiple draft picks. You know, just so much. Didn't cost them all that. Just because the Washington was just so eager to get rid of Chris. And it's crazy that, you know, at one point they had, for over a time period, the Withers had, or Bullet Slash Withers had Webb, they had Jawan Howard, they had Ben Wallace, they had Rasheed Wallace. All the, all the, you know, at a time when having bigs was a big deal in the league. So I guess maybe they figured, hey, we can do without Webb. You know, they don't, they end up with probably any of those guys except Jawan at the end. But the point is, is that, that trade was groundbreaking for Sacramento. That changed everything. Yeah, the Kings would go out and sign Vladi Divots. You know, they'd add guys like Doug Christie. They drafted Jason Williams. You know, you individually pick up a guy like Bobby Jackson. You drafted Hito Turkoglu. But let's, like I said, to get a legit, you know, first team, second team, all NBA player in his in his prime for that. Jeff Petrie should still be, you know, incarcerated for the theft, the 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 robbery. You know, that's like that's like a the major. Actually, it's been over twenty years. He'd be out. But you know what I mean? That was theft. That was theft. And when you landed Webb, you really landed, you know, one of the all-time great players in 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 this game. And to me, the biggest shame is that it took this long for Webb to get into the Hall of Fame. But he's in. He's happy. And we talk about just in the story, his career and those times in Sacramento and how much, yeah, how much 2002 game six hurt, but how 2003 hurt even more. 
than 2002 because that was the year the Kings believed they were going to win the championship. They believed they were the best team in the league. They were a better team than they were in 02. They were deeper. They were tougher. They had been through the heartache and the pain and the bullshit. They were ready, and Webb gets hurt. So I talk about all those things in this story. So please check it out. I said salute to the great Chris Webber and all that he did on the court and all he's doing off the court now in terms of um, justice reform, um, giving the, you know, using the cannabis space to um, help people change their lives in a positive way. All those things that Webb is doing, you know, educationally, working with you. I mean, Webb's doing a lot of great things. So shout out to Webb and can't move on from the Weber talk until I touch on uh, his coach in Sacramento. You know, Rick Adelman. And all you need to know about Rick Adelman is this. The Kings have had eight winning seasons in Sacramento. Um, all of them were when Rick Adelman was coach. <laughs> they haven't had a winning season before, Rick or after. And that's why in terms of win percent, Rick Adelman went 624 and 395. Oh, actually, let me take that back. No, he coached 624 games. He went 395 and 229, a 633, 63% winning percentage. Um, to put that in perspective, Luke Walton is... Uh, 62 and 82 in his uh, two years. That's the second best winning percentage in Sacramento history. So yeah, Rick, you know Rick uh, Adelman did the damn thing. You know, won 69 playoff game. No, won went 34 and 35 in the playoffs, which is probably the if you're gonna hate on Rick, that's gonna be what you say. That was the the bugaboo. But overall, you no, know, Rick, the greatest coach in Sacramento history. Brought a level of winning that the Kings still haven't seen. There's probably people out there who are still salty that he was he was let go by the team because they haven't seen the playoffs since. Haven't been close to the playoffs actually, which is the crazy part. And before you start with me on they were ninth place in 2019, they did not almost make the playoffs that year. Give me a break. They did not almost make the playoffs this year. They almost made the play-in you know in the bubble they didn't almost do a damn thing they basically shit the bed from day one and didn't have a chance so you know rick coached in multiple places you know coached in minnesota coached in houston coached in golden state he only had a losing record in golden state in minnesota he had a losing record in golden state at the time well hell nobody won in golden state <laughs> you know, and that, and that was prior to him joining Sacramento. But yeah, no one, I don't think anyone won in Golden State at that point. You know, Rick was in Golden State and from 95 to 97. Yeah, nobody was winning at that time with the Warriors. You know, in Minnesota, it was Minnesota. I don't think anyone was going to hold Minnesota against Rick. But, you know, outside of that, he was a winner in SAC. And he spent the, you know, in terms of coaching, spent eight, you know, he spent eight seasons in SAC, six in Portland. In some ways, he may be better known for Portland because those teams made the finals. And really, the only thing that kept Rick, I think, from winning a championship was, uh, one, Weber's injury, and two, Phil Jackson. You know, everyone talks about all the guys that Jordan stopped from getting a ring. You talk about, you know, Gary Payton, who eventually would get one later on in Miami. But you talk about, you know, Sean Kemp, Stockton and Malone, Barkley. 
you know, Drexler, we also get his later with Houston. But, you know, all these guys who didn't get a ring because of Jordan. People forget, a lot of coaches were shut out the ring game because of Phil Jackson. Uh, Jerry Sloan, George Carl, uh, Rick Adelman didn't get rings because he ran into Michael Jordan. Not Michael Jordan. Uh, yeah, yeah, he did run into Mike, but he also ran into Phil Jackson. So that's, you know, and the other coach he ran into, Chuck Daly, another Hall of Fame coach. So I think it's, it's, it's appropriate that Webb and Rick are going into the Hall of Fame together. It's because in terms of Sacramento, there's no bigger connection in ter- you know, bet- than those two guys when you think about the success. They personified the success of Sacramento. Webb in his time in SAG averaged 23.5 points, 10.6 rebounds, 4 playing assists, 1.5 steals, 1.5 blocks. Damn it, that's domination. That's, that's you know, MVP level play from your best player. <laughs> and it's still crazy to me that it took this long for Webb to get in. And, you know, but at the athletic right now, we have two Weber stories up for you to to tech check out to digest, you know, and do, you know, and do what you do with it. You know, read it, you know, drop your name in the comments, you know, and let me know what you thought about the story. You know, I think it's um, I, I enjoyed writing it. I hope you enjoy reading it as well. So let's see, you know, like I said, let me know what you think. And without, you know, without further ado, we're going to slide on over to the music. Yo, so if you still have King's things, you want to hit me up on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones. You can even come. I have the story, uh, you know, a link, the, the story on my Instagram at Mr. Jones LBC. You can go there and drop a comment as well. I'll gladly engage in some dialogue about the importance of Weber, the importance of Rick Adelman, and probably more importantly, what it's going to take to get back to those days. Because the Kings haven't sniffed, the, haven't sniffed being competitive or relevant since those guys have been gone. You know, Demarcus Cousins gave his all. De'Aaron Fox is trying now, but yeah, it's not easy to be good. Well, it's not easy for the Kings to be good in the NBA. You know, half the half the teams in the NBA make the playoffs. Somehow, for 15 straight years, they've missed it. And you know, unless someone becomes a Weber-like figure for them this season, they're going to set a record for the most consecutive seasons missing the playoffs. So this is not, as Weber said in the, at the end of my story, you can't kill the spirit of what they did in Sacramento. Let's just see if the Kings can find that spirit and translate that into some wins because. Hadn't been pretty lately in terms of that. So I'm done with the Kings for right now, I promise. We're going to talk about music. Uh, last episode, we talked about Donda. You know, uh, why folks hate Kanye, which I get. You know, I'll get into him a little bit later. Another reason why people can be annoyed as hell with him. But we're going to talk about the Drake release. Dropped it at 2 in the morning Eastern. Fortunately, I'm on the West Coast last week, so it was 11. Still didn't finish the whole album, but as again, as someone who's complained about albums being way, way, way too short, I'm not going to be mad at an album that's more than an hour. And to me, Certified Lover Boy by Drake is a 
solid, good Drake album. It's a Drake. It's a good Drake album, and he's got some, my opinion, some stuff on there that I like. To me, the highlight of the uh, of the album is "You Only Live Twice," where uh, at least for me, maybe because you know I'm in the gym and I hear this. You when you hear um, him. Lil Wayne and Rick Ross together, and I'll say this, Lil Wayne has had a hell of a year just off his features, his features have been amazing this year, you got this one, you've got the Tyler the Creator feature, you've got the DMX feature, it's like Lil Wayne went back into a time machine and went back to 2008, 2009 and decided to be like, I'm about to be you know, in my best rapper alive flow bag, and it's it's been it's been fun to listen to. So that's the highlight for me. You know, and then you look at some of the you know the other songs. Some of them are like you know are what I would call your typical Drake party music ish. You know, you know, you know. You know he opens up with champagne poetry to me, which is like your standard. Typical type of Drake intro to an album, you know, and some of them are just kind of, like I said, you know, to me are typical stuff. The song with Jay-Z, Love All, is a, you know, typical Girls Want Girls with Lil Baby, you know, kind of just a, hmm, you know, but it was, I mean, definitely entertaining. Some of these songs that apparently, you know, had been leaked. I'm not big on the whole kind of peep who's been leaking stuff, so... When I hear these albums a lot, I'm like, okay, it's good, you know. I don't get stuck on, you know, on who's leaked to what, you know. I I enjoy different type of things about albums. I enjoy the fact that he had Project Pat with 21 Savage on Knife Talk. Mainly because he had Project Pat. And one of, to me, one of the cool things about Drake is that for all his, like, pretty boy, lover boy, that whole thing, man getting a heart you know, drawn in his head, you know, when he gets, when he gets, gets faded up, all that stuff, he'll then turn around and be like, let me go get Project Pat and put him on a, on a song. I like that stuff, you know, makes me then go back and listen to more Project Pat from back in the day, you know, you know, I'll dig up some chicken head song, chicken head song at some point, you know, but, you know, and then you have some, a song like, you know, 7 a.m. on Bridal Path, where we're clearly talking to Kanye, you know, you know, going talking to, you know, this, whatever this thing they've got going back and forth, and, but again, I think, you know, this is, to me, one of the better albums of the year, is it the album of the year, eh, I still got Tyler, the Creator's, uh, Call Me If You Get Lost is the album of the year, I could be in the minority, but I think that's the album of the year, I know a lot of people are saying, well, King's Disease 2 with Album of the Year. And I got to still go with Tyler, the Creator. That, to me, that's still a masterpiece of an album that I bump on the regular still. So we're going to, you know, so I say if you if you like hip-hop, give Drake a listen. Let me know what you think. Am I off? Is this, is this like a classic album? And I'm not giving it classic status. I think it's good. I like it. You know, I enjoyed it. You know, I enjoy, like I said, you know, I enjoy really you only live twice. I enjoyed a lot of songs on here, but to me, um, the uh, best Drake album or my favorite, should I say, of all time, the two are 
or take care and things were never the same. Those are still going to be my uh, two favorite Drake albums of all time. So, you know, I went back and listened to Views again as someone said. Oh, and it wasn't, I'm sorry, I said it wrong. It's nothing was the same. Not things were never the same from 2013. I did go back and listen to, you know, Views again not that long ago. And cause I didn't like Views when it came out. I really didn't like it. Went back and listened to it again. It is a good album. I just didn't like it when it came out. I guess it felt too singy for me back then. But I really am. You know, I can look back and say, yeah, you know, it was a good album. And really, Drake hasn't missed on an album. You know, there might be songs I skipped. Mainly because I didn't want to hear Drake sing. But it's like it's one of those things where you go back and listen to it again. It's good music. It's good entertainment, you know. So I would definitely recommend Certified Lover Boy if for some reason you were under a rock last week and haven't listened to it already. Check it out. Which leads me to one last thing before I go. Apparently, you know, the uh, the leaked song <laughs> the, uh, between... Uh, uh, Kanye West and Andre 3000 where you know this this game where where Drake released the the unreleased uh Kanye or he he leaked it out the unreleased Kanye Andre 3000 song Life of the Party and this is it's a back and forth between these two you know to me it's almost silly when you got a rich millionaires and billionaires going back and forth like this but the the leak was so problematic to Andre 3000. We got an Andre 3000 statement. Mainly, uh, uh, let me just start with Andre. Uh, Andre has a verse on there on this song that was not released that is immaculate. I mean, and as he noted on on Insta on his his statement, where he basically says. Uh, you know that he um you know he was inspired to write this song because you know he he heard the idea that Kanye had for the album as a tribute to his mom and that led him to you know like I said write one of the more beautiful verses I've heard in some time you know and you know it's uh it's amazing that he what he wrote, and then you know you get to Kanye's verse, and it's clear that Kanye, that you know this song ain't no ain't no gospel song, you know remember this is supposed to be a gospel album. This ain't no gospel song. He's talking about Drake, you know, going at him, talking about you know, you know he, uh, no he's it's you know, yeah it's very. Um, you know, it, it's just, you know, it's, it's not in the spirit of the Lord. Let's put it that way. With, with Kanye, it's, uh, you know, you know, you, you know, it, it's just not in the spirit of the Lord. You know, when you got, you know, you know, you got Kanye saying, told Drake don't play with me on God. Let me read it. I'm going to read it to you. You know. 
I'm just going to read you a brief part, you know, of what of what Kanye said on the song. To this day, the whole team can kiss this dick. I put Virgil and Drake on the same text, and it wasn't about the matching. Or, uh, I forgot. I can't say the word, you know, whatever. Or the Kid Cudi dress. They're about the ARCTRX or the Kid Cudi dress. Just told these grown men to stop it with the funny shit. I might hire the whole team from ACG. Told Drake don't play with me on God and he sent that message to everybody. So if I hit you with WYD, you better not hit me with you better hit me with yes sir, I'm writing everything you need. I told you I was gonna take the summer back, so any of so any of the cap won't take none of that with my motherfucking red hat. No. So yeah, this is uh not of the Lord from uh Brother Kanye. And you can have all your theories. You know, Andre in his statement basically says when he recorded this song, he recorded his verse as a tribute, you know, to his, his, his parents, his mom who had passed as well. There was no Drake diss when he did his, you know, his part. He just hates that he was basically put in the middle of it. Now, because by, with Drake releasing, you know, leaking that, you know, you got kind of talking about um, put that on GD, which would presumably be on Gangster, Desi- Gangster Disciples and... I didn't know Brother Kanye was a gang member. So, hey, we got that going on in this, you know. But, if anything, take from that, you know, Kanye is either petty or whatever the case may be. Why Kanye would not, you know, include Andre's verse. He said it, Andre said it's because it wasn't clean. It wasn't a clean version. But, when I listened to the verse, Kanye could have, to me... If they could have worked it out, just taken some, you know, basically bleeped or you know, silenced the profanity, or the like he did with other verses, I I would have been fine with that just to get this Andre verse out there. But since it's not out there, go on YouTube, Google it, Life of the Party, Andre 3000, Kanye, listen to it. I love Andre's you know vocals, his ver- verse on this might give you another reason to be mad at Kanye for number one. Seemingly trying to game three stacks and not let him know what he was doing with this. That's that's shady, you know. And you know, if Kanye, as uh, three stacks said, he would have loved to have been on Donda. He would have loved to have been on Certified Lover Boy. He just wants to be work with people he, he that he's inspired by. And Kanye, for whatever reason, robbed us of that. But luckily, I guess we can kind of maybe thank Drake for leaking it. I'm glad it's out there. I like the song. You will too. So check it out and enjoy NBA, not NBA, excuse me, pro foot, pro basketball hall of fame induction week, um, or weekend shout out to Chris Weber. Thanks again for the time for that story. Shout out to Rick Adelman. Also Yolanda Griffith, who was a star for the Sacramento Monarchs is going in as well. Good weekend for Sacramento basketball. And again, you know, you know, rate the podcast, like the podcast, share the podcast, give me a few stars if you see fit on the rating. Um, hit me up on Twitter at Mr. Underscore Jason Jones, Instagram, Mr. Jones LBC. Uh, shout out to the Basketball Podcast Network again for giving this me this platform to put out this work for y'all. Y'all be good out there. Y'all be safe. I will catch you next week. I'm out.